Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Ashley Peterson. She is Vice President of Science and Technology for the National Chicken Council. Ashley, thank you. Thanks for having me. A year ago, you and I sat down, almost in this exact same place, and we talked about the new USDA standards for chicken parts. We're a year into this. How is the poultry industry adjusting to the new standards? Well, I think the industry is doing um, a pretty good job. Um, the agency stated in their rule that um, 40 or 60 percent of the industry was going to fail the performance standard, and right now only about 40 percent are not meeting the performance standard. And so the agency has indicated that they're quite pleased with the progress that the uh, industry has made to date. Um, we've been about six months that we've actually had the parts performance standard. Um, it was supposed to start in May, but because of some sampling inconsistencies out in the um, industry, we were able to get that pushed back a little bit. So July 1st was the magic date. So we're about six months in and the data is trending downward. So it looks like for both Salmonella and Campylobacter, we're getting a lot better. Do you have any numbers you can share with I us? I do. So for parts, um, so on a quarterly basis, uh, the agency puts about a year's worth of data out on an aggregate. And so um, the data that I have is the last three quarters so for parts of 2016, of 2016, correct. In December, they published for the whole year of 2016, and they were about 15.4%. And if you remember, when they did the baseline, the industry was running about 25%. That's and quite so, a drop. so that's quite a drop over over that time frame. Um, and it's trended downward. So the three quarters ago, it was 18.2% uh, for parts. Um, two quarters ago, it was 16.9, and now we're at 15.4. So definitely making some great progress. Excellent. Now, some people would say, well, it is great progress, but you still have that 15%. Is chicken safe to eat? Oh, absolutely chicken is safe to eat. As long as you cook it to 165, then yes. And that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? I mean, with all this activity about managing salmonella in live production and in processing, but it really comes down to how the meat is handled and how well it's cooked. That's a very important part of it. But yes, we and we will continue to improve. The industry will continue to get better on both salmonella and campylobacter for sure. What about educational efforts for the end user? So we work um, very closely with USDA um, as part of educational efforts. Um, we have a lot of information on the National Chicken Council website, if I can put a little plug in there. Um, the National Chicken Council has a lot of cooking instructions, um, recipes, that sort of thing that um, we encourage people to go to. Go to. Um, but USDA does their cook, clean, chill, and separate um, campaign, and we, we're very supportive of that. But again, I think, I think people know how to cook their chicken. I think a lot of people are maybe in a hurry or, or what have you, but use your meat thermometer. That's a very important tool in the kitchen. Tell us about that. What, what exactly does that mean? Buffered peptone water has traditionally been used to rinse whole birds and chicken parts in order for the agency to determine the, the prevalence of salmonella and campylobacter. Um, ARS has done some research looking at the impact of the antimicrobials that we're using in a processing plant on the prevalence um, of that rinseate. So the rinseate is the buffered peptone water. You know, we talk about the shake and bake, you put the chicken in the bag and you know, shake it up with the buffered peptone water and that's how you do your sampling. Um, so they came up with a neutralized buffered peptone water because there was some concerns about um, continuing activity of the um, antimicrobials on the chicken 
uh, chicken parts or our whole birds. And so um, through some research that they, that they performed, um, they decided that they were going to change this. And it has been quite um, a big change for the industry as well. Um, we because they were getting false negatives before? Is that what was happening? That was the concern is that they were getting false negatives. Um, I don't have any data to support to support that necessarily, but I can tell you that um, since July 1st, the prevalence on whole birds um, coming out of the chiller has actually gone up partly as a result from this neutralized buffered peptone water. So it's kind of changed the playing field a little bit uh, for the industry. And, and one of the concerns that the industry has is that when the agency did their baseline, they used a different solution. They used the regular buffered peptone water. And so now they've changed the process and, and they didn't go back and redo the baseline. So we're kind of moving the goalposts around in the middle of the game? Maybe a little bit. I think the industry will adjust, but it's going to take a little bit of time because, again, like you said, the goalposts have moved and we kind of have a new ball game. Will they go back and maybe redo those standards, do you think? We have asked that they go back and do that. Um, it does take a lot of time and money to go and, and do those sorts of um, efforts. So I'm not sure that they'll do it on the chicken parts that they've that we have a performance standard for right now. But the agency is looking at establishing performance standards for other parts that weren't included in that initial baseline. Let's um, shift gears and talk about antibiotics. Okay. Uh, before we even went on camera, you said this has been kind of a dividing or polarizing issue. Uh, what are you hearing from your members about the antibiotic issue? Well, I think everybody agrees that responsible antibiotic use is important. Whether or not you're, um, you're knowing you're an NAE flock or no antibiotics ever, um, it's a veterinarian's responsibility to make sure that the birds are healthy. So even in those flocks, if you have a sick flock, you know, a veterinarian is going to treat that flock because it's the right thing to do for animal husbandry, animal welfare. Um, but you're right, it's, it's definitely a divided industry on whether or not it's better to go raise without antibiotics or it's better to um, use a low dose of antibiotics um, for prevention. Um, obviously with guidance 213 that has, and the veterinary feed directive that just came out um, starting January 1st of this year, you can no longer use medically important antibiotics for growth promotion purposes. So the industry has already moved away from that. The other part of that is veterinary oversight. So all antimicrobials that are prescribed need to be under the direction of a veterinarian. And in the poultry industry, um, we're very fortunate we've got you know, excellent poultry veterinarians out there monitoring the health of all of our flocks um, who can make that determination as to whether an antibiotic is necessary or not. Why do you think poultry has become the lightning rod for this issue? Because we hear all these food service companies coming out saying, well, we're only going to have antibiotic-free poultry. These companies also serve uh, you know, pork sandwiches and beef sandwiches. Why are they picking on poultry? Well, I think at the end of the day, because of how we're structured as an industry, it's simpler. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's, a, it's simpler for us to move away from traditional antibiotic use. Because of the shorter life cycle? Because of the shorter life cycle, because of vertical integration. Um, on the red meat side, so the beef industry or the, or the pork industry, um, the, those animals may move around a little bit from owner to owner, especially in the beef industry. And so tracking what antibiotics are used in that process may be a little bit more difficult. But for, for us, um, 
know, I, I think that the trend is definitely moving in, in that direction away from using antibiotics, but um, you know, that's customer preference. And I think at the end of the day, customer preference is pushing this much faster than, than FDA can ever, can ever push this. And the ironic thing about it though is more than 80% of the antibiotics that have been used in poultry are not on the list of medically important Absolutely. antibiotics. Absolutely, ionophores are the main antibiotic that is used. Um, and that is not used in human medicine at all, so there's no concern for resistance, which is the reason that people have been moving away from medically important antibiotics was for the issue of resistance. But yes, ionophores are, are very important for the industry to maintain gut health. Um, and when you have a healthier gut, you're gonna have better absorption of nutrients, so birds are gonna just grow better and do better. And it's just, it's, it's an added bonus of ionophores. Still, to a lot of consumers, they're in a supermarket and they see no antibiotics ever, raised without antibiotics. That sounds healthier or more wholesome to them. It also costs a lot more. It, it does cost more, but at the end of the day, um, you know, food safety is, is what I work, that, that's my area of expertise, and I use that term quite loosely. I'm not sure I'm an expert in that, but um, when you look at food safety and you look at potential um, salmonella or campylobacter, I don't know that there's any difference between um, regular conventional raised chicken and raised with antibiotics. So we don't want people to think that because they're buying chicken that's raised with antibiotics that they can mishandle that product. Um, and that's very important that it all needs to be handled the same. Last year, the American Association of Avian Pathologists uh, released a couple of statements, one on welfare, one on antibiotics. And one of them uh, specifically uh, urged the industry uh, they just said that the health and well-being of flocks should not be sacrificed in the name of marketing an antibiotic-free product. Um, is there a concern about that, you feel, from a, a production standpoint? I think that the industry would agree with that statement. Um, if you have a sick flock, it needs to be treated. Whether or not you're, you, you, that flock was initially destined to be raised with antibiotics, um, I think it's the veterinarian's role to, to treat those birds if they are, in fact, sick, and that's what we're seeing. Do you think by coming out and making these antibiotic-free claims has that, it's obviously created at least a two-tier poultry market. Does that make the, what we might call conventional poultry, does that cast a negative light on it when we start talking about antibiotic-free and we put a higher price tag on it? I think it has the potential to. Um, you know, again, we're, we're all about choice in the marketplace, so whether you want organic chicken or raised by antibiotic chicken or conventional chicken, that's fine, and it's gonna have a different price point. So it's really up to the customer to determine whether they wanna pay that premium for that, that product or not. But in the end, and I think the National Chicken Council has said this, it's pretty much all antibiotic free anyway. Technically speaking, yes. We have withdrawal times that we have to follow per FDA, and USDA tests all meat products, um, not just poultry, but red meat and as well, um, for any residues of antibiotics that may be in the meat. And there aren't any on poultry. <laughs>